I just think technology is awesome. Good advice for anyone who is looking for a laptop. For the latest news and information about technology. Now that, that's the guy. <laughs> it's so hard to take a bad photo now with these cameras. I really? think that stuff is just brilliant. It is something that people really need to look at. Two blokes talking tech. Haven't we got the best jobs in the world? We have. We absolutely <laughs> have the best job. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. I love talking technology. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Do you really need a 10 megapixel camera to take those images? I'd say not. Two blokes talking tech. Embrace those little ideas. Is there, have a look around and, and ask questions. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading wherever you are. You're, uh, this is not Your Tech Life. I'm from Your Tech Life. And joining me, as always, is Stephen Fennick, techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. Hello, Trevor. How's things? Oh, it's good. I've got to stop doing this podcast straight after the other one. I get it wrong. Sorry, mate. <laughs> techguide.com.au. Yes, well, I appreciate that, mate. We've got a stack to talk about tonight. Um, it's actually been quite a busy week ever since we last spoke we've done Motorola we've done Panasonic we've got Microsoft buying Skype we've got the government under pressure about digital TV we've got Apple and Google there's heaps to talk about so I'll get straight into it Two Blokes Talking Tech episode 12 Two Blokes Talking Tech you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick now there's some big news uh, this week Trevor with the sale of Microsoft not Microsoft Skype the sale of Skype by Microsoft mm. so the uh, Microsoft are the, now the proud new owners of Skype. It only cost them $8.5 billion, mate. That's a drop in the bucket for Microsoft, I guess. But it was the biggest acquisition by Microsoft in its history. And uh, I think it's an interesting one because they're, they're trying to keep a foothold in the uh, in the internet market there. They've, they've tried hard with Bing, with go- trying to take on Google. Now they've got Skype. They recently did a deal with Nokia, too, to run their Windows uh Phone 7 on the smartphone, so mm. uh, I think it's an interesting move. I think it's interesting. So we're, we're talking, is it $8.5 billion for a company that lost $7 million last year, has, I think it's 170 million users, and only 10 million of them are paying. My concern is that they're going to turn it into an ad platform. You know, there was some talk from Steve Barmer yeah. today in some of the press um, about how, you know, it's a, it's got a lot of potential for revenue. Um, the, the the issue is people aren't going to want to pre-roll ad before a phone call, you know, a Skype call. It's just not going to... They're not going to yeah. stand for that. Nah, there, there, is, there has been a lot of questions uh, since since the announcement. I think, though, that we're just just looking from from Microsoft's point of view, though, they, they, you got to remember they've the deal with with Nokia is done. Don't forget they've, they've they've got a roaring business with the Xbox 360, uh, you know now and and on the, on on the internet as well now with Skype and it's it's a no brainer they're going to run this across all those platforms you'll be able to Skype on your phone Skype on the Xbox. Uh, it's now become a feature on smart TVs, which I'll get to de- later in the show with the Panasonic announcements. But uh, I think that it's a strategy. But people are asking, "Geez, I hope I'm not going to have to pay for this all the time." Skype to Skype will hopefully still be free, and people are also speculating: what is, is it still going to be called Skype? That's well, yeah, a, another question. Oh, I think what they'll do is they'll retain that name. It has such, and we'll talk about brands later on the show, but it has a really high brand value. I think uh, you know, someone, friends of ours have moved are moving to London. It's kind of a shock, and the kids get on and all that kind of stuff. And the first thing my wife said was, "Oh, I was talking to to to, to her. I don't want to say a name, and she said, well, just Skype with the kids.'" And I yeah. went, "You know what I mean? It's what people exactly. think of as video. FaceTime is a great." name but people think of video calling as skype that's the Absolutely. bottom line 
Yeah, it's like Google. We're going to Google it. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to make a, we're going to Skype you. Yeah, so that's I, true. I think but, uh, I think it's a good uh, package to add into Windows 8. And I think when you think about its application across Windows Live Messenger, uh, across Outlook, and all the corporate tools, it's got. I mean, in my workplace, we use Skype for video conferencing, and then we have all the Outlook and you know SharePoint, you know all that kind of stuff. Well, hello, put it all together, and you've got yourself an amazing connectivity solution. So. Yeah. It's definitely got benefit for them. The question is, isn't it worth $8.5 billion? Yeah, I don't know about that. You've you got to remember, too, that Windows, uh, Microsoft also has Messenger and Hotmail. Yeah. It's probably going to be all rolled into one, one, great, big, one great big pile. But um, one thing I didn't know when I, I was, wrote this story for my website, and one thing I didn't know was that uh, eBay actually bought Skype yes. back in 2005, and they only paid $2.6 billion for it. So, But, but here's the thing. About a year, difference. maybe a year and a half ago, there was a quite a big legal hullabaloo. eBay bought Skype, the the name, the product, and everything. But the original creators of Skype did not sell eBay the actual back end technology. And so there was this big legal hoopla about how the fact that, frankly, Skype was worthless. So I assume that's been resolved. Otherwise, uh, Microsoft have bought yeah, a well, dud. I think what eBay though, what what they had set out to do was to use Skype as another way to communicate between eBay members about yep. listings and items for sale but and obviously that didn't eventuate and uh, they sold off apparently a 70% uh, stake of the company back in 2009 to a bunch of investors so mm. along comes Microsoft who swooped in and now own the lot now for $8.5 billion and uh, they were going to launch an IPO on the stock market but that didn't happen so look we have to wait and see uh, Microsoft now owns Skype uh, only time will tell what they do with it Now, mate, we should thank the good people at Netgear for uh, supporting the podcast. Two Blokes Talking Tech brought to you by uh, the good people at Netgear, and we'll tell you more about them a little bit later. Steve, uh, the federal budget was this week, uh, Tuesday night, but before the federal budget, the uh, Minister uh, Stephen Conroy announced the extension of the uh, Household Assistance Scheme for Digital TV, which was initiated in the regional Victoria, and basically they're saying it worked. We're going to do it across the country, 308 million dollars is yours uh, we're going to give people pensioners and you have to be fully qualified pensioner not just a part pension we're going to give you a free set top box and installation in your home geez they've copped some hammering for it over the last few days have they ever i think it, it, it averages out that each pensioner will receive more than 350 dollars hmm. for the set top box. I don't know. I don't know what year they're buying their set top box from. It used to cost that much back in two thousand and four. I think yeah. a set top box. But today you pick one up for sixty bucks. So here's my problem with uh, with the argument from from Rosalind Cogan this week, who came out and said, "Oh, everyone's getting ripped off because you know you can get them for forty bucks." So well, the thing he's is, got a, he's got a good point though. No, but but here's the thing: he doesn't. He, he's he's a publicity whore and he's good at it. And I I think I admire him for it. But what he's missing is that it's not three hundred fifty dollars for everyone. It is a set top box installation and support for that box and a demonstration for every pensioner. Now, some pensioners, you'll rock up, you'll plug it in, it'll work, you'll show them how it works, and you're out of there in an hour. No problems. And the actual cost of that is probably 150 bucks. But some people, and mate, you must you must get these calls when you're on with Chris Smith on 2GB and, and all the other radio things you do. Um, nah. Some places you go, you, you plug in your digital TV and you don't get reception because your antenna doesn't work. Yes, I agree. Now, there are some people, and there'll be some, some I agree, that will need New boosters, new so, antennas, so they'll need get help insta installing. But let me ask you this, though, Trevor. If they're going to give each of these people 
they're averaging out, allocating that much for each person, why don't they just buy them a television? Well, again, you've got to look at the, the overall market. I, I worry, and, and I saw a bloke on a current affair tonight from Harvey Norman saying, we could give you a, a new TV for 250 bucks. Yeah, it's a 19-inch TV, mate, and it's, it's pretty, pretty basic. But yeah, a lot of these people... if you're attaching a set-top box, though, to a television... It's an older TV. If it's an analog TV, it's an old TV anyway. But it might not be that old. I was thinking about my my grand my dear granddad who who passed away only a couple of years ago. But he had this massive plasma. Sc- I remember going there about six years ago and going, "What the heck's going on here?" He's just bought this massive TV. He's just rocked into Harvey Norman and gone, "I'll have a TV, thanks." And they've ripped him five grand. Beautiful TV. But mate, <laughs> it wasn't digital. It was just a big yeah. plasma. Now, if people so it's just part a big of- display, it never had the tuner inside. No, because you got to uh-huh. remember. Built-in tuners, and especially built-in high-definition tuners, only started happening maybe four or five years ago across the board. Before that, there were flat screens, and they weren't digital, and you had to put a set-top box on them. So I think you've got to think about those people that don't just have an old His Master's voice or an RCA sitting there. Yeah, true. There's people who upgrade You are right. It is a hot issue. And uh, when I was on Chris Smith uh, on on my segment um, this week, it was a huge topic among callers. And and there, a lot of the callers were saying, well, Give me the money and let me just pay the rent for a couple of weeks. I don't want. I don't hmm. want a set top box. A lot of them didn't want a set top box. You know, they've already they've already got a TV. They've already got a digital TV. There are a lot of them saying, "Look, let pay my electricity bill or pay buy me a new TV or pay the rent." So yeah. Now, now a, Scott yeah. in the chat room makes a good point about the pink bat scheme was capped at fifteen hundred and a lot of installations were fourteen ninety nine. So here's the two issues, and I'm hoping to speak to Stephen Connor on the weekend uh, on 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 my radio gig. I I want to say to him, you've got two issues, mate. One of them is the rorts. So for a start, if these things are coming in at three ninety nine, you got a problem. If if you're getting a broad range between a hundred and four hundred dollars, fine. It's pretty hard to to drill down on each individual case. Secondly, so that needs to be monitored. Secondly. Who's doing the installation? Because there was a whole bunch of blokes who just happened to have a van, or they bought an I old van. Uh, we can call them cowboys. Oh, uh, yeah. Trevor's a better description. They went and bought a stack of pink bats. Uh, they brought them in in a container, and they put them in a, in a shed, and they went around driving around, knocking on people's doors, uh, using Google Earth to project the size of the house, and, and, and charging fourteen ninety nine. So the the thing is, they need to cap that. Now they have put out a release today saying that the the requirements are pretty strict for installers. They have to have a year's experience in digital TV installation. They have to have credentials. They have to have ID and all that kind of stuff. So it is a little bit better than the pink bat scheme, but they have to be very careful. If they get caught with this, that they they will non-stop copper hammering. And as you and I both know, be on the three radio, strikes are out. That's right. So look, I think it's a reasonably good initiative. I think they need to spend a lot of time and effort monitoring it but I just wonder whether there's just a better way to do it And but i got, got to be honest I don't know what that is I just think that in the end you know the local retailers people selling set-top boxes can offer installation so maybe it is a case of just giving them a giving them yeah, a voucher I think- <laughs> I think on Harvey, the, the, the spokesperson on Harvey Norman said that uh, he was he was said on the show on Current Affair, he said, well, yeah, we can sell them a set-top box for 60, yep. but, and we can we can completely install it, installed for 150. Well, I actually... So. It's, good. It's, it's more than double the price to have it installed. I'll give you an example. I had... Uh, people know I work at SBS. We gave away, in a, in a Eurovision competition this week, we gave away a 55-inch Sony... TV, a Blu-ray home theatre system, and a, and a little micro hi-fi system. And I rang a, a Sony authorised installer, and I said, mate, what can you get 
in terms of insulation for 500 bucks. And he said, oh, mate, you'd get it mounted on the wall, you'd get the speakers plumbed through the wall. Like, it was it was pretty detailed what you could get. So uh-huh. I think for 150 bucks you can get a, you can get a set-top box installed, uh, you can get it uh, con- configured and tuned, and you can get a little demonstration. And I think... I think that's what what's what's missing here. What the government needs is for this thing to come in well under budget. That'll do the trick. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, Panasonic uh, with the have become the last of the major manufacturers to roll out their range of TVs, their smart TVs. For and they delayed this too, didn't they? That, this was this was delayed because we we thought this was coming out a little while ago, around the same time as LG and Samsung. But yeah, they did put it off a couple of weeks, and uh, they they had their launch today over at to the Entertainment Quarter in one of the big Hoyt cinemas, and uh, they did a presentation, showed us a short film to illustrate the fact, sort of the interactivity with your products, and sort of they're more uh, not. Just just you sort of the, rather than just home entertainment they're talking home engagement and sort of more interactive and connected experience which uh, it comes by way of the the smarts in the TV so like the others they're connected to the internet Wi-Fi capable can be connected either wirelessly or with a cable if you do happen to have one there uh, and it gives, gives you access to content to apps uh, there's a number of other features but one I quite liked one, one feature that lets you record directly from the TV mm. to a USB external hard drive or to an to an SD card so mm-hmm. that you don't need the recorder all you need to do is connect the the TV to the external hard drive or SD card and you can record but mate Kogan does that do you know what I mean like it's yeah. not that's I mean it's a great function and it's funny that the others don't do it actually but you know and and again I mean I respect Kogan for what he does with his products that's something that Kogan does on his TVs my my question to you having been to the launch cuz I couldn't be there so we saw Samsung and they um they hung their hat on 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 a few things a smart TV kind of concept yep. LG hung their hat on yeah they're smart TV but they had a set top box that did smart TV they had a great new 3D and they had a cool remote what's mm-hmm. the I mean, is is the is the USB stick the one feature that sets sets Panasonic apart from the others? What uh, someone came no, to me today and I, I said, th- "What TV should I buy?" And I went, "Look, Sony's great for picture quality. LG and, and Samsung have got great TVs. Samsung's got a really good LED range. I can't even tell you what why why you'd buy a Panasonic." And I really I found it hard to rank them in order too. I got to be honest. Well, I think I'm, I've always been a big fan of plasma, and, and I've always yeah. rated Panasonic's plasmas, and they're still sticking behind that format. Apparently, they sold apparently twenty percent more. Uh, Increase of twenty percent in their plasma sales last year, right, yep. and that was probably through uh, by by way of the plasmas being the only products in their range that had three D. Yes, they've since extended that now uh, to their LED range as well, so you can get three D plasma and LED in a variety of sizes. I think plasma goes from forty two all the way up to sixty five inch. Wow! Uh, and uh, the LED sizes go from thirty two, uh, thirty seven, and forty two. Inches, but uh, I, there's a number of features that uh, that the uh, on the smart side that they, they've extended their Skype call in feature yeah. as well. But one thing I liked a new feature that they've allowed if you do happen to have a, a, a Blu-ray recorder or a DVD recorder, mm-hmm. you can actually set a Skype video answering machine. So oh, you, really? If people ring you and you're not in front of your TV, they can view a video. They can leave a video leave message. A video message as well, yes. So it's like a video answering machine that they've set up. 
That's but, pretty uh, cool. Just in terms of the TVs themselves, though, like uh, the, apart from all the smarts and all these extra features, they're still a good-looking TV. They're, I was surprised by how thin the plasma panels are. They're That's quite amazing, thin. isn't it, how, how yeah. they've done that across plasma? You know, we thought when LED came out that it was going to blow everyone's mind, but plasma's come right down in size. Not as, not as small as LED, but still yeah. looks great. But but very close to it actually, and also too they've brought down like we we all know the plasma uses up a lot more power or yep. a, a fractionally more power than the LED range. But they're in terms of energy efficiency efficiency, you, these plasma panels now the the neo plasmas are now five and six star energy rated. So mm. that, that, that's pretty good for a plasma panel. They've, they've in, improved by fifteen percent uh, the the power consumption, which is pretty good, and also lowered the standby power uh, and even the LED TVs that Panasonic produce I was chatting to one of the one of the guys from Panasonic today at the launch and he said that their new range of LEDs some of them are seven star rating wow. and apparently the energy rating sticker that they put on the TV that's too many stars for the sticker to even fit on it. So they're going to have to create a new sticker for the LED panel. Ah, love it. Well, it sounds like it's a good range. Uh, Price-wise, are they competitive? I mean, bottom line, Steve, you've seen it all. You've had a look at all the ranges. Uh, is Panasonic competitive on, on, the, on, the, on the new TV market? They are. I think the, the reason that they are is because what, what impressed me about it was that they're offering smart TVs at every level. Like they're, they're, there's some sort of IP TV, smart TV capability, even at the lowest in the entry level TV. Like the LED TV started at 599 mm. and the cheapest plasma is $849. Wow. So they've, that's what impressed me, that there is some form of smart that you can access no matter what TV you buy, whether it's the top of the line or the entry level. So that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, I, I, again, I think their picture quality, the plasma, if you're really into your plasma and that's your favourite format, I think Panasonic have really uh, delivered again. Uh, the 3D, they've made the eyewear a lot lighter and sleeker. They're actually half the weight of the glasses this year as compared to last year's models, and they're now USB rechargeable rather than being battery-operated, which... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was a bit of a pain last year. Have yeah. you ran out of battery? Uh, and but uh, and there's they've also on the app front a lot of apps. Obviously that they all the TVs are offering their own apps. But yep. what I liked about Panasonic's approach was that it was very much an open platform approach. So they're going to give the developer kit to anybody who wants it to encourage more developers to to get uh, get together and create new apps for their platform, which I think was a good idea. Sounds good. So everyone needs to keep an eye out. Uh techguide.com.au is a full review there Panasonic's new TV range Now mate, before we talk about the Motorola Atrix and Zoom a reminder that we've still got some time haven't we to enter the iPad 2 giveaway Yes, we do. There's another week to go. So it ends Wednesday, May 18 at 5 o'clock. So okay. get your entries in. Go to techguide.com.au, register, like him on Facebook, and you'll uh, be in the running for uh, for an iPad too. Now, we both uh, went along to uh, UTS in Sydney uh, last week for the Telstra and Motorola joint launch of the Motorola Atrix uh, mobile phone and Zoom tablet. Um, you know, good, good launch. It was lovely to yeah. see the products and things, and we both got to walk out with one. I've got the phone. You've got the tablet. Um, let me tell you from the from the start. I think the the Atrix is is a fantastic Android phone. Probably probably one of the best Android phones available because because uh, it's fast. It's got a dual core processor. Um, it's got some really cool cool features like a fingerprint swipe. I, I don't know why you'd really need that, but um, <laughs> well, you can secure your phone. so if, if, by securing it with your fingerprint, no one else can can access your phone. 
Who, who, who are you texting that your wife don't want your wife to see? Well, no, I'm not saying that I do, Trevor, <laughs> but there are a few people who want to keep the contents of their phone private, and no. I think that would be a good way to do it. Well, the boss of Motorola made a very good point. Very <laughs> useful in the enterprise environment. So the corporate yes. environment where they where they you know want to make sure the things are secure, and if they get lost, they're safe. Very good idea. Look, a great phone. Um, the, the Motorola layer that they put over the top of Android, they call Blur, it is a little bit cumbersome. It actually is a better phone without it, to be honest. Um, it's it's a great Android phone. Oh, oh, for me, as and, and people know, there's no point in me being an Android reviewer because in the end, I, I kind of need that keyboard and I'm, I'm yet to find an Android phone that has a really useful keyboard that doesn't um, that, that adjusts to what I do and that's fine. I'm an individual on that. But look, a great phone, uh, $840 outright and there's you know obviously plans with Telstra and it's coming to all the carriers. Optus have already said that. So look, I yeah. think it's a, it's a performer but here's what sets it apart is the is the accessories. There is, yes. for all the other Android phones, you've you got you to find yourself a dock that fits. You've got to find yourself all these different things. This thing, you can get with it a standard kind of bedside dock, which just charges it and it sits sideways and you've got your little, uh, you know, your time and, and alarm there. You can uh-huh. get an, a multimedia dock for about 130 bucks, which has HDMI out and USB inputs, which allows you to share music and videos and all that kind of stuff on your big screen TV, which is really useful when a lot yep. of people are carrying around a lot of their content now, so that's great. Uh-huh. And then there's this crazy weird thing, which I am still not fully uh, across, to be honest. I can't quite place the use of it, but and you're completely against it. We'll debate that. But it's called the <laughs> web top, and it essentially is is what looks like a, a black MacBook. Uh, that's what it looks like. It's a laptop with a keyboard and a monitor, but no computer inside. It, it's completely fully useless and it's about 450 bucks a useless keyboard and monitor until you plug the atrix phone in and when you do that it becomes an operating system that's different to the standard mobile android it's it's more computer-based layout it's got a full version of firefox browser in it and it's a very ingenious thing yeah, we had a good talk about this when we were at the launch together there. And, and, and I think my response to you there was, well, why go to the trouble of carrying that big bulky thing around? when If you're going to go to the trouble of carrying that around, you might as well just carry around a laptop. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you're a, you're a business traveler and uh, you've, got your, um, you've got all your contacts. Uh, you've got a lot of files synchronized to your phone and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you carry a laptop around. So right now you're carrying a laptop and a phone. And when you get to your hotel, you open up the, 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 the laptop and you've either got to download the files or photos or whatever it is, and then you do your work. With this oh. thing, you, you carry around that, that little booklet, which is lighter than a laptop, but you carry yeah, it around. it's very thin, isn't it? I've got to say, it's very thin and light, but um, still still got a bit of bolt. It's still the size of, a say, a MacBook Air. It's about that big, isn't it? But you open it up, and it's got everything that you've been using all day on it, and you don't have to do any synchronization. So I think there's some benefit in that. And look, I've got, I don't think Motorola would have created it for fun. I think they did a bit of research. I think yeah. there's a market for it. I don't think you and I are the market because, you know, we probably probably take the iPad on a trip like that rather than anything else. But I think there are people who could benefit from that. And again, maybe it's the uh, the IT enterprise environment where they want to have some real control over the device. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, it's a, I think it's a cool thing. They've got a car cradle as well, all of this. And when you put it in the car cradle, it switches to like a sat-nav mode where they're big buttons. Look, I think it's great, but um, yeah, check but it Motorola, out. They've done well with the accessories. That's a great idea. They needed a point of difference. That is. The accessories Accessories off for that, and you've got to remember, Motorola are quite a big uh, Bluetooth accessory creator. They're one of the biggest Bluetooth oh, yeah. manufacturers. Yep. So that's something they bring to the table. The accessories, being able to con- connect the device to your TV, the laptop, that lap dock, good idea. But I, I, I had a chance to look at the the Motorola Zoom, which mm-hmm. is their 10.1 inch tablet, and. Uh, 
it, it it reminded me so much of the Samsung 10.1V, hmm. uh, same the same way, same size screen, same feel, uh, sort of me- meant to be held in that landscape sort of widescreen mode, whereas the iPad, to me, traditionally you hold it in the sort of the portrait mode, the deep mode. This has got a very wide screen, I think a mm-hmm. 16 by 10 aspect ratio on the screen, which yep. I found... Great for certain apps, but very, very poor for, for say, using the browser. Because what it does, it quite by the time you've got the address bar and the and the the the, the indicators at the bottom, the home key and everything, it, the the area to view the the website is quite narrow. Right. Not all websites too. Like it, it's it's. It's t- saying how it's that they said oh it's got it's all flash enabled and and it is but you've actually got to lo- pr- download flash yes, from you have to the get it from the Android and market, install yeah. it so it's not it does not working with flash out of the, box, of the box but yeah. it was a little bit frustrating to me the browser on certain websites my own as a matter of fact techguide.com.au on this device uh, it wouldn't fit across the screen. I don't know whether it's the fault of my website or the browser, but even when I turned it around into into the the portrait mode, sort of so it goes down the screen. Not all the website that the website doesn't automatically snap into. But I think your point is as the iPad to the, would. Compared to the iPad, Google does the same thing. Yeah, but you compare what you're saying is compared to the iPad and the browsing experience taking Flash out of the equation because that's important. Yeah. The browsing experience is not as good as on the iPad. It's not in the same ballpark. Uh, there, there, there. Doesn't load. Like I said, the width of the of the some pages don't quite fit. You turn it around on its side. Even the pinch to zoom, uh, it's not quite as responsive. I, I find found myself trying to pinch to zoom and accidentally click the link instead. So it's it's too responsive sometimes, not responsive at other times. But just from a general, from a design perspective, I think we we held it up at the demo and the speakers on the back. That's not your favourite feature. So the sound no. is going away. From the from the uh, the user yep. and the actual the on off key and sleep key I think is in the worst possible position because uh, it's it's on the sort of the back edge uh, top right edge of where the, you of might the, put your index panel. finger. Where you put you, where you hold the thing. I, I just actually, I'm holding it in my hand right now, and I accidentally put it to sleep because I grabbed it the wrong way. So I think they could have positioned. You've that got one of those commando death at grips the top, at the top of it. Yeah, <laughs> they could have positioned that power key maybe at the top of the device. Yeah. Uh, now there's, there's a SIM tray also on top of the device that also contains a micro SD slot. Mm-hmm. That's not activated yet. So you've got a micro SD Pure slot, gold. but you can't use it yet as well. So uh, and, and, and it's, it's not a bad device. It, it, it's got a few, a lot of things I don't like about it, but a few things I do like about it. The camera is not bad. It's quite slim and light. The accessories that come with it, it's got a very nice wireless keyboard that, that syncs really, really nicely with it. There, there was another another uh, cover that, that then does fold out into a stand, which I think was useless. You try to you try to Clip, unclip it to put it in position, and the the tablet falls out of the cover. It was very cumbersome, but uh, like I, I'd, I'd, I'm going to have my full review up on the site uh, in the next day or so. And uh, you know, the, the, this is in terms of the number of tablets on the market now. Look, obviously, the iPad 2 is the benchmark. This is not not near that benchmark, and, mm. and in a crowded Google tablet market. This is in, still in the pack. It hasn't really done enough to sort of get its head out in front. And quickly talk price. It's, it's, it, it too is $840 outright. And the reason, my, my bottom line is, the reason you would buy the Motorola Zoom is because you, you can't afford 
and this is a terrible thing to say, but you would buy this device because you can't afford to pay six, seven, or eight hundred dollars for an iPad, and therefore you can't afford to buy this outright. But you're happy to go on a monthly plan for fifty or sixty bucks with Telstra. Very good point. But you know what? Optus are also going to offer this device, Trevor. I don't know whether you got that email that, from Optus. True. They were very quick to let people know that this is not a Telstra exclusive. Yep. It's Optus are going to be offering it in June as well. And and what I I almost guarantee you this um it's available through um through Telstra. I think in fact this weekend on the on the fourteenth from memory. That's uh, May twenty four. Oh, May twenty four. Well, well, let me tell you, Optus's pricing will come out a day or so before and then it'll be slightly better that's what they'll do they'll release their pricing just before Telstra actually is available so that people um, maybe second guess who they buy it through God, we could talk underwater, couldn't we? Uh, quickly, we should thank Netgear. Netgear connecting with innovation, uh, modems, routers, Wi-Fi connectivity, powerline Ethernet. If you've got uh, you know a computer in one end of the house and your broadband modem in the other and you don't want to run cables and you don't have Wi-Fi, powerline Ethernet. You're actually running the internet through your power connections. There's some great stuff from Netgear. Netgear.com.au is the place to go to find them, and we thank them for their support. Mate, uh, only a couple of minutes to go. We'll probably... Um, let's just touch on, on the, the Google uh, versus Apple war, which is isn't actually about the devices. This is not about Apple iPad versus Android tablets. This is about the value of the brand. That's right. Yeah, there was a, a survey done by Millwood Brown. It was actually a study by Millwood Brown, and they looked at the top 100 brands and ranked them in terms of their the their, the, the money that, that, that they think they're worth, the financial data and the, the brand equity. Sort of they surveyed a lot of customers and t- asked them what they thought about all the brands. Yep. And Apple came out on top and actually broke Google's four-year streak at number one. Yeah. And they valued Apple at $153 billion. Google, second place, at $111 billion. Uh, and it's, a- Apple made quite a rush here because it was a, the brand value upgrade from 2010. They increased by 84%, obviously on the strength of the iPad and the mm. iPhone. And, uh, from, from four years ago, they've actually increased by 859%. So it just goes to show that those yeah. post-PC products that Apple have spoken about, their iPod, iPhone, and now the iPad, have really sort of boosted their brand value. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting when you look down the list is the old guard that used to dominate this area was McDonald's and Coca-Cola and Microsoft uh, are still there, but they're, they're only in the four, five, and six positions. And what's really interesting to me is IBM still sits in third, right, with $100 yeah. billion. And it's it's one of those brands that you go, well, how how is that still relevant? But they're still doing so much. It's, it's a really interesting oh, one that they, they sit there. still, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, interesting stuff that uh, Apple have pipped Google there. Uh, obviously, they, they'll take anything they can get in terms of beating Google because it's a competitive market. <laughs> but uh, interesting survey. And, uh, and look, good to see Apple come out on top. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennig. And as always, we're out of time. Uh, we'll talk uh, about, uh, next week, we'll talk about some really interesting things uh, from Microsoft. They did a study on uh, on family gaming and whether it's uh, good or bad for families and kids. We'll talk about that next week because I think it was quite interesting. I'm, I'm going to talk to someone on the, on, the, on my podcast for that. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, twoblokestalkingtech.com is the place to go. And uh, you can find Stephen at techguide.com.au and me at yourtechlife.com. Stephen, thank you once again, and we'll chat next week. Thank you.